It is the pastor's heart and Dominic Steele. Thanks for joining us. And Australia is the worst country in the world in terms of gambling losses per capita of population. Sandy Grant and Stu Cameron are our guests. Australia is the worst and Sydney and New South Wales are worst of all, with about double or worse the rate of poker machine losses compared to every other Australian state and territory. And it breaks a pastor's heart that those who can least afford it are worst affected by gambling. I was on the phone to a pastor friend of mine who was telling me about his 24 hours. He'd spent much of it at Sydney's Star City Casino. There'd been a distress call from a member of his church. Her husband was missing, not answering the phone. She couldn't get onto him and their joint bank account had dropped $50,000. They had the money in the account because they'd sold an apartment and were about to buy somewhere else. She called her pastor because she didn't know what to do. She said perhaps he was at Star City playing. And as he told me the story, he said he was walking through Star City Casino like a lost person. He'd never been there before and he found his parishioner totally engrossed. I called his name. He looked at me. Stunned mullet. Terribly embarrassed. We went downstairs. We had a drink we cried, prayed, he cursed, rescued. The two leading ministers of Sydney's Central Business District, Sandy Grant of Sydney's St Andrew's Cathedral and Stu Cameron of Wesley Central Mission are pleading with the politicians to do something to help the needy. Stuart, Sandy, thanks for coming in. Perhaps, Stuart, we could start with your pastor's heart because at Wesley Mission you're involved in a lot of help to gambling addicts. Yeah, yeah we are. We are, Dominic. I mean, in fact, Wesley Mission, we established the first gambling counselling service in the country country mm -hmm. decades ago under the leadership of one of my predecessors, uh, Alan Walker. And really, th this issue broke open for me um, in uh, at Christmas time last year. We had a Christmas function with our, our gambling counsellors, our financial counsellors. And the context of that, um, of that Christmas celebration, they shared stories, testimonies of, of uh, those they had been assisting. And I heard stories that would simultaneously break your heart mm. at, the, at the extent of losses experienced, the impact, not just on the individuals concerned, but on their families, mm. uh, but also just so grateful for the work of our gambling counsellors. But they were walking into situations of just absolute devastation and carnage. Usually people reach out um, to a counsellor when things are at rock bottom. And uh, so we see the, the absolute worst of what happens. I mean, I, I was in a conversation um, just a couple of weeks ago with a member of our, our, one of our congregations who was sharing with me um, really quite vulnerably their ongoing uh, struggle with gambling addiction, particularly around poker machines, mm -hmm. which are just created to addict. And, you know, my heart was both simultaneously incredibly sorrowful at what I heard, but also angry that mm -hmm. the, the, the practices that enabled this ongoing harm to take place. So it's really as a pastor that, that uh, this issue has come to the forefront of my mind. And like so many Australians, I mean, I have people in my extended family situation who've also been impacted by gambling. Mm -hmm. This touches every corner of society. There's not a demographic, there's not an ethnicity, there's not a postcode that's not impacted by gambling harm. Mm -hmm. So that's why, you know, I'm joining with my friend and colleague, Sandy, in, you know, calling for real reform. Mm -hmm. Sandy Grant, that story I just told, um, it's not rare and you've got similar ones to tell. 
Oh yeah, uh, I became aware of it when a parishioner came to me, uh, young children at home, bailiffs at the door ready to repossess family possessions because of the spouse's poker machine addiction. Uh, I've known uh, a lady herself, uh, a tenured university lecturer, husband at the time, an economics professor. You'd think they'd know the odds. Mm. And his addiction trashed that marriage. And I could go on and on. Uh, and uh, I've talked to many pastors who have had church members uh, or family of church members really feeling suicidal because of the, the shame of the situation they've got into or they've got their family into. Mm. It's, uh, I kind of said it synod that I can understand Jesus turning over the tables in the temple. Different issue was blocking access to God and ability to pray, but just the, the anger at the, the chaos, uh, the carnage, you said, that is done to people through this parasitic, misery-making form of entertainment. Mm. It, 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 it makes you angry, and, and we want to act righteously mm. uh, for justice mm. in that context, uh, not just blow off steam. We, we want to see change. Mm. Mm. Have you ever played the pokies? I don't believe uh, I have. When I left school, a couple of us went uh, away, and I did have a wager on a uh, roulette table because our maths teacher, it's, it's unbelievable, our maths teacher told us a system by which you could win just meant you had to double your stake every single time you lost. And for young school leavers with no money, <laughs> um, it, it wasn't a very easy system to implement. Uh, I've never done it again. Mm. And... Uh, um, I won't even bet on the Melbourne Cup. I don't think we're saying all incidents no. of gambling are equally as problematic, but at its heart lies a failure of love. Uh, any win you do happen to have comes at the losses of others. And in the case of the poker machines, 40% of the losses come from a, a smaller number of problem gamblers who just cannot afford it. Mm. And so even if you do win, it's at the cost of others, and you know it has to be at the cost of others' losses. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, the pernicious nature of these machines is that they're created to addict. Mm. Um, you know, the, the lights, I mean, they, psych, psychologists are employed by the machine manufacturers uh, to, to work out how best to entice people, not just to, to put that, uh, to press the button the first time, but to keep on pressing mm -hmm. uh, and I mean, to I'm just invite them to keep on just... <laughs> Uh, putting more and more money into the machines. I remember a friend of mine telling me that um, I said, "What do you do this week?" And he's a furniture designer, and he'd been working on designing chairs for poker machines. And um, he said, "When you design chairs for McDonald's, they want them to stay for this long, but not for not for longer. When you design chairs for poker machines, they want you to stay for a long time." They yeah, do. they yeah. do. Yeah. And look, I mean, I, again, a, a, another member of our congregation, that was just recently baptized, uh, came to faith, and. In a, in a, you know, previously he'd worked in uh, a gaming venue, and he shared with with me and some of my colleagues about some of the tricks of the trade, mm -hmm. how you, how uh, they were encouraged. In fact, they were incentivized to ring people they knew had uh, addiction issues to come back in. Oh, we've got a meal for you. We've got a we've got a, we've got everything set up for you. So there's this this constant uh, invitation. Uh, to those who have, uh, you know, real challenges around the machines that keep on coming back. Why is this city and this state the worst in the world? The biggest. Why is our government the biggest gambling addict anywhere? Hmm. It's, it's a good question, and perhaps we don't know enough of the history. Uh, the poker machines have been here a long time in the clubs initially. 
And uh, <laughs> Stu told the story of Alan Walker speaking out against uh, the the expansion of the poker machines. And at that point, the Hotels Association was against the poker machines. Yeah. But once they got in a slice of the action, uh, the profits are very substantial. And uh, money is an idol. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible teaches us that. Mm-hmm. It's a powerful thing. And uh, it's very hard to give it up. And of course, the biggest addict in New South Wales is the government. Uh, the government is this coming financial year due to take two billion dollars of taxes. That's just on mm. the poker machines in pubs and clubs, not not the kino, not the horse racing, yeah. not the the wider casino games. Just the pubs and clubs. It's an enormous revenue source. It's not minor in the New South Wales government, um, and uh, so it's it's hard to give that up. Mm. It's actually eight to nine percent of. Uh of total tax revenue for the New South Wales yeah. government. And by their own estimations over the next few years, it's going to grow uh, 12.5% or 12.3%, yeah. I think it is, and so on average over the next few years. Now, I know inflation's running mm-hmm. running hard at the moment, but not quite that hard. No, double, double the inflation rate over the next yeah. four years. Yeah, so it, it is hard. We are, yeah, but, but you're right. You alluded to it before. Uh, the most pernicious of the addictions is the one that our government has mm-hmm. to the revenue that that uh, comes through. And, I mean, the turnover is just extraordinary. That you know, Recent figures, um, you know, official figures, suggest that there's $80 billion every single year in New South Wales that's put into poker machines. It's a staggering figure. Uh, $11.4 billion is lost annually across Australia on poker machines. So it's almost half of the $25 billion uh, that's lost in Australia, which is, again, just a staggering figure. On in gambling, uh, so poker machines by far they they, they don't have the, the the publicity of casinos and sports betting sports betting ads we they're in our face mm. all the time particularly footy finals and mm. spring carnival time but poker machines are the quiet destroyer of lives. Every uh, suburb, country, city, mm. uh, all around the nation, except interestingly Western Australia, mm. they've just kept them in the casinos. Mm. Uh, so it's the fact that I think they're so pervasive in every suburb and in, every town. in clubs which were set up as service organisations uh, but have become mammoth profit-making efforts, um, <laughs> just sort of behemoths keeping on growing. Yeah. So why, from the scriptures, does an evangelical speak out on these things, mm. Stu? Well, the gospel is good news for the poor. <laughs> it's release for the oppressed. It's, you know, liberty... Uh, and so I, I think of, you know, Jesus who, uh, in announcing his public ministry in Luke's gospel, you know, he, he, he reads from the prophet Isaiah mm-hmm. uh, and the gospel is good news. Um, and of course, primarily in that it rec- it's, a, it's a gospel of reconciliation between us and the father, uh, you know, reconciling us to God. Uh, but it's good news in terms of uh, how that is lived out, uh, uh, the, the experience of people in their everyday life. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life in all of its abundance. Uh, and that's life eternally. Uh, and that life eternal begins now. And so we want to see, I, I think the gospel invites us to, as we continue uh, that ministry of reconciliation that Jesus initiated, uh, to speak out for justice. And you know, our evangelical tradition 
you know, speak so you know, strongly and I think powerfully to that as well. Mm. Um, Sandy, you alluded to Proverbs the other day mm. on this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, um, <laughs> you, you despise a poor person, you insult that person's maker, our mm. creator. Yeah. Um, the Proverbs calls on kings in particular, those who are rulers, to oversee justice uh, and particularly for the marginalised, for the poor. Uh, so for me, I think it comes back to the, the second great command to love our neighbours. It's the ethic of love. Uh, and when you see a system that is designed and preys on vulnerable people, uh, it's actually loving towards them to speak out and to seek change. Um, we, we have a great message of hope for the individuals who have made a mess of the lives, their lives. We all, we all have in different ways. Um, and that, that shame, that guilt can be wiped away through the, the atoning work of Christ. That's mm-hmm. good news. Uh, but it's also loving to care for the system, which is, uh, or, 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 or care to see reform in the system, which is doing such damage to people, which enables people to fall into loss so easily and damage their own family, friends, workplaces. Mm. Um, the leaders of the government and opposition in New South Wales are both serious Catholics mm. and um, uh, you're wanting to approach them. What are you want to, wanting to say to them as as men of faith? Yeah, yeah and you're right. I mean, both the, you know, the Premier and the Leader of the Opposition uh, have been quite uh, explicit in naming their faith as being foundational for them uh, in terms of how it shapes their politics. And so we're appealing to them on that basis mm. uh, to form a unity ticket towards uh, serious and real gambling reform, particularly around poker machines. Uh, because we do think um, they uh, share our concern. I mean, we I had the privilege of interviewing the Premier for our Easter breakfast earlier this year, and I have no doubt in how he responded to my question around poker machines and the, and the harm they cause, is that he would love to be able to, 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 to do that, to bring about reform. But, I mean, the political realities and the power, uh, you know, uh, the forces of power that are at play make that difficult. We think to break this conversation open, there needs to be bipartisan, mm-hmm. yep. cross-party right. support for reform. And we're seeing that in Tasmania emerging right now. So there's really? signs of hope. There's green shoots of hope uh, happening. Yep. No one expected it, uh, but you know there's real hope on the horizon. Tell us about Tasmania. Sure. Well, it's the cashless gambling card. Uh, when you're just using your credit card or your, mm. your cash, putting it through the pokies, it's very hard to keep track of how much you're losing. You can load up a machine with $5,000 in yeah. New South Wales. Mm-hmm. And just pour through it. And so a, a cashless gambling card, which is the only card that can be used to gamble, means you get a statement of just how much money you're pouring through it. New South Wales was attempting to bring this in, and uh, the minister responsible got moved to another portfolio. And now in Tasmania, remarkably, uh, the Liberal government and the Labor have come on uh, to have a go at this cashless gambling card, which will just help. It's a reality check for those about the mag- magnitude of their losses. And it, it also allows them to set limits, their own personal limits, self-exclusionary. Correct. So, you know, we, there's a lot of talk about yeah. um, processes for people to limit their losses with a cashless gambling card that can be made real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people can cap out. 
It's like um, on the roads, the trucks had speed limiters mm. on them, and it's, it's kind of a speed limiter on the pokies. Um, it's like a seatbelt. Yep, exactly. And uh, that's actually not a bad analogy to how I think this this fight for, for reform will be won. It's a series of steps. Uh, the $1 bet limits, the cashless gambling card, longer shutdown hours at night, so people actually have to go home and have a, a proper long break. Uh, and just with, there were speed limiters, there was uh, random breath testing, there was seat belts, there was airbags. There's a range of reforms that could be tried. It might be incremental. We understand that government revenues, that's a reality governments worry about. And over time, phasing some of those reforms in, a group of them, a package over time, would make a real difference. Yeah. And the money won't just disappear from the economy. It's not as if the money not lost on the pokies just disappears from our economy. It gets, it's spent on all sorts of other things. <laughs> uh, paying for kids' school excursions yeah. or, or equipment that they couldn't afford yeah. before. Uh, eating out. Uh, mm. Repaying your loans at a proper rate. Um, there's all sorts of ways that the money continues to be used in our economy and the goods and services we enjoy. Yeah, the Productivity Commission a few years ago identified the fact that, that you know, Poker machine losses are a regressive form of taxation That's right. mm. uh, and a very inefficient form of taxation. I mean, it taxes disproportionately the poor. Yep. Uh, so, our, so our poorest suburbs that have the highest per capita losses and, and dollar losses. Um, but if that money is redirected into you know, food spending, uh, you know, schools, education, etc., the multiplier effect is far greater. So it's better for the community, it's better for individuals, it's better for families. So... How are you going? What's the? How do you? What's the next step in this chess game? Yeah, we we would really like the two of us to sit down just with Mr. Perrottet and Mr. Minns, just the four of us in a room, have a heart to heart, and say, how about you work at leaving a legacy that will last long beyond partisan political advantage? Work together. That way pubs and clubs lobby can't pick one side off against the other. Mm. If you both work together slowly, steadily, determinedly, you'll make a difference to hundreds, indeed thousands of people's lives in the reduction of harm and misery. And it would just be lovely. And I would say to other politicians who have been stronger on this, work for joint effort. Don't just try and show how holier than thou you are. Mm. Let's all work together, mm. all sides of politics. That's what we're wanting. And, and we would love Mr Minns and Mr Perrottet to come and agree and talk to us, mm. not because we have all the answers, mm. although the gambling councillors, the financial councillors have some pretty good insights um, alongside those experts like the Productivity Commission. Yeah. In fact, in fact there's a whole swathe of research that you know, really gives strong uh, evidence for what, what what sort of change and reform is, is possible and would make a real difference. The other thing I would say, Dominic, is that I think as Christian leaders, not just Sandy and myself, but all of us have an opportunity to play a role in this and, and that these sorts of conversations are one at the local level. Mm -hmm. uh, it's in local electorates where pressure's been brought to bear uh, by the gambling lobby for uh, local candidates to uh, basically fall into line. And so if enough local candidates, local members hear from local leaders, ministers, pastors, others, uh, saying, what are you doing? What's your position around gambling reform? I think that will start to build the momentum that leads to real change. Mm. Mm. 
It sounds very West Wing. He's dead, but I mean, in terms of no, never seen a full episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of the things about the West Wing is it's a noble cause, and we mm. fight honourably. Mm. And yet, we know that politics is messy and murky. difficult, and murky, and compromise. Mm. And um, uh, Dominic, yeah, we've seen change in our lifetime uh, when we're at school. Kids smoking was commonplace. Mm. Uh, cigarette I advertising was, was everywhere. Yeah. In I think we're all busted. We've got a story like that. Uh, the advertising was on the television, in the cinemas. Uh, cigarettes were easily obtainable if you were underage, everywhere. And it was a series of persistent, small steps that mm. brought change. There's no reason it can't happen again. Uh, my great model, we mentioned William Wilberforce, the fight against slave trade. He was 20 years in the parliament mm-hmm. and he had defeat after defeat after defeat and he didn't give up. He persevered. He kept praying and uh, building a coalition, uh, offering the arguments, the persuasive arguments, seeing the people uh, who were, in that case, damaged by slavery, uh, in this case, damaged by the gambling, uh, the poker machines. And so, um, look, it might be a struggle that we end up it, who knows the future? Passing the baton on to somebody else. Absolutely, but we won't give up. Yeah. Mm. And I think, I mean, the connection for me, I mean, Wilberforce is just a, the story of, of the abolition of the slave trade is one of the formative ones for me and my faith. Uh, and I think the thing that connects uh, this struggle, as with any struggle for justice, is that, that Wilberforce saw the Imago Dei, the image of God, That's it. Mm. Uh, in in those that he was advocating for, and, and that's similarly what moves us. It's the it's the image of God and those who are being exploited by these pernicious machines that that means that we can't remain silent. Mm. We need to speak up, and, and we need to advocate for change, and that will require um, uh, you know real commitment. But I'm, I'm reminded of the words of Martin Luther King that. Um, uh, the arc of the universe bends towards justice. And I, I think, um, you know, I, 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 I sort of lay hold of that, um, uh, that imagery as I, as I look at, uh, at this campaign. Mm. Stuart, why don't you just close our episode by mm. praying oh, for, um, uh, well, for the government and the opposition, mm. for the meeting that you're hoping to have, mm. but for the poor in our community. Yeah. Yeah. Do that. And also just to remind people, Dominic, if I can, if you know people in your uh, church community that, or uh, who have either been directly or indirectly yes. affected or impacted by gambling harm, there is a phone number you can reach out any time, 1-800-845-845. And there are counsellors on the end who are skipped and trained to be able to make connections and offer the support that they need. So let us pray. Yeah. Yeah. So gracious God, thank you so much. Loving Father, thank you for your, your compassion towards us that in and through Jesus Christ, you've made a way for us to be reconciled to yourself. Uh, God, we, we just uh, are in awe of uh, the fact that we are your children, that you have made a way where there was no other way. And God, it's out of... Uh, out of that identity that we, uh, and, and out of uh, that foundation that we have the opportunity to join with you and participate in your ministry of reconciliation in the world. And so, God, we pray for those who are impacted by gambling harm. 
uh, God, even today who uh, are living with shame and guilt and regret are wondering where to turn next. God, we pray that mm. you would bring alongside them people who can speak into their world, who can offer hope and life, who can share something of the gospel with them mm. uh, or remind them of the gospel they may have forgotten. So God, we pray that you would release the chains uh, of the prisoner, uh, that you would set the oppressed free. And God, that you would uh, just do a, a new and a wonderful work in their lives. We pray, God, that you would bear up and strengthen those who support those who are suffering gambling harm, yeah. uh, that you would encourage them in their vital work. We pray all of this in, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you, gentlemen. My guests on The Pastor's Heart, Stu Cameron, the CEO of Wesley Central Mission in the Central Business District of Sydney, and Sandy Grant, the Dean of St Andrew's Cathedral in Sydney. This is Dominic Steele. You've been with us on The Pastor's Heart. We'll look forward to your company next Tuesday. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we would love it if you could hop over to the Apple Podcasts app and give us a rating and review. That helps us in the rankings and lets other people discover the pastor's heart. And again, if you are able to help us out by being a financial partner, go to our Patreon link, patreon.com slash the pastor's heart.